0: 2020 off to a good start uh, Wow one person said yes everybody else is like uh, kinda of the same as it was last year um, hope you're doing good uh, today we're gonna start uh, to start the new year we're gonna start a, a series we're called running in circles how many of you ever, f- ever feel like you're running in circles anybody I think that's a lot of times that's that's life right you're kinda running you're doing the best you can but you're really getting kinda nowhere right um, and so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some things that I think we all, we all chase after, but in the end, they just kind of lead to this f- fleeting success that just doesn't last very long. And so we're going to look at how we, can, how we can chase after those things and how we can actually accomplish those things. And today, we're going to start off by talking about uh, chasing comfort and what that uh, looks like, because I think... Most of us in this room today, if you were honest, you would say, I, I want to be, be comfortable. I want to live a, a comfortable life, whether you're male, female, old, young. I think most of us want to live a com- comfortable life. And so we're going to start today talking about what true comfort really, really means and how if we continue to chase it the way we often do through obtaining things and through getting things that oftentimes will be left falling short. How many of you made a New Year's resolution that involved working out? Involved some sort of weight loss at all? Involved some sort of healthy thing at all? How many of you said forget the resolutions years ago? Yeah. Listen, I, I get it. I get it. Y'all ain't getting nowhere, but I get it, okay? Um, well, I, I, I don't lo- like, how many of you, anybody like to work out? Y'all are weird. I love you, but y'all are weird. I, I hate to I hate to work out, but several years ago, um, probably five, six years ago, I started started working out. Um, I guess maybe I got a little older, and I know it's it's hard to tell, um, but I'm no workout expert. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but you look like a bodybuilder. I know. Um, I'm no workout expert, but several years ago, I started started working out because I realized I I want to get healthy. I want to... Um, I, I want to I have the discipline, even the discipline. And so I, while I'm no workout expert, I do know how to, to do some, lift some weights. I know how to, how to run, how to climb on a Stairmaster for a while, which is miserable. Um, and I do, I do know a few things. Now, l- let's say that I go to the gym and I have a five-pound dumbbell in my arm. Let's say that I've been going to the gym for five years now. And every time I go to the gym, I curl a five-pound dumbbell. Like, literally, I could do that, couldn't I? I, I could go to the gym. This could be my workout is curling this five-pound dumbbell. Some of it's, that's, that's a good starting place. But if I've been going to the gym five, six years, and I'm still curling this five-pound dumbbell, it's probably not going to do a lot of good, right? In fact, I bet you I could stand here, and I'm not going to do it because it would be very distracting, but I could stand here this entire message and just do this the whole time. Now, this is, this is what's comfortable, isn't it? Like, this is, this is the starting place, and it's what's, it's what's comfortable. I could do this literally all day long. It's, it's five pounds. It's, it's comfortable. But how many of you know in order to get better, I have to do something a little different, right? In order to get better, I have to get a little uncomfortable, right? This is 25 pounds. i just like to say I did biceps yesterday, so they're still a little sore. So y'all don't judge me, okay? But in order to, to move forward, I have to get uncomfortable, don't I? In order to, to move forward, I have to eventually put down the, the five pound and pick up something a little heavier. It's, I, I'm not a weight loss or exercise expert, but I do know that I have to progressively get heavier. It's called pro- progressive overload is the technical name for it, I believe. And so in order to, to get better, I have to be willing to get uncomfortable. But for so many of us, I think we're so fixated on living a comfortable life that for so many of us, we have always tried to curl the five pound dumbbell when we know that the 25 pound is gonna get us where we really wanna go, don't we? In order for us to move forward into a new year, we're gonna to have, to, to have to be willing to get uncomfortable because so many of us have been chasing comfort for so long and you're still curling a five pound dumbbell and wondering why you're not progressing in life and wondering why you're not progressing in faith. I think we bring this to all parts of our life. Think about how much of, for the majority of us, how much of our lives is spent trying to be comfortable. For, for some of us, the money we spend, if we look at our bank and we look at the things we purchase, so much of what we've purchased is trying to live a comfortable life. We have every kind of essential oil that you could possibly buy because it's gonna make us relax, it's gonna make us get comfortable, and they take our money. For some, some of you, you've bought many, many yoga pants. Because they're comfortable, right? I saw, this, I saw this meme, side note, I saw this meme over Christmas that had a, had a picture and it says, my jeans are telling me to quit eating the holiday cookies, but my yoga pants say, I got you, girl. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I feel like I should say I don't wear yoga pants. I feel like I should clear that up. But think about how much of our, our lives are spent just, just, just trying to be comfortable. How, many of our life, how much of our lives is spent rushing through the stage of now to get to something that's going to feel more comfortable? For some of you, with, with kids, you're thinking, if I can just make it through this phase of life, right? If I can just make it through this phase of life, I'm going to be comfortable on the other side. For some of you, if I can just, if I can just save enough money... If I can just have enough savings, if I can just have enough cushion, then I'm going to be comfortable. For some of you, if I can just, I can just get this clear doctor's report, then everything is going to be comfortable. If I can just buy enough, if I can just do enough, if I can just have the right people around me. In fact, some of us are okay being miserable if it means we're comfortable. Y'all know what I'm talking about. For some of us, we know there's some things that we could do that would improve us, that that, that would help us pick up that 25-pound dumbbell. And we know we're miserable, but we're okay being miserable because it's familiar. It's comfortable. Comfort is one of those things that I believe is a God-given desire. God wants us to have comfort. He wants us to have peace. But if we're continually chasing it in an ungodly way, it's going to leave us empty and fulfilled, and ultimately it's going to leave us running in circles. I think oftentimes we even relate the blessing of God and the presence of God to how comfortable we are in life, don't we? And so as long as, as long as I'm comfortable and as long as things are going the way I want them to go, then I see that as a sign of I must be doing something right and God must be smiling on me. If I have enough money, then I, God must be blessing me. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. If, if things are going okay, if my children are behaving, if things are lining up for me, God must be close to me, if my health is okay, it means that God's present with me, and there's a problem with that, because comfort is not the thing that God is after. God is after you and your heart. God will do some things, not to build our comfort, but to grow our faith. And so, as long as we chase comfort our way, we'll continually be running in circles, trying to satisfy a godly desire with temporary things will always leave us running in circles. In fact, the book of James puts it this way. James 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. For some of you that aren't believers this morning, you walk in here and you hear that verse, you're like, okay, I'm good, right? <laughs> I mean, what James is saying is he's saying, he, he's saying being Complete doesn't mean you're comfortable. In fact, he's saying there's some things that have to happen to you. There's some things, there's some trials that have to come into your life that make you uncomfortable. There's some things that have to happen to you that stretch who you are in order for you to be complete. God is not after your comfort. He is after your completeness. He's after relationship with you, and relationship is only built through getting uncomfortable. James is saying, listen, God isn't after your comfort. It's not always going to be easy, but you can consider it joy because when discomfort comes, when stretching times comes, God is doing something different in you to make you complete. The word word there he uses for for trials in in the Greek literally means what, what a silversmith would do to purify silver. He said consider it pure joy when you're stuck in the fire because as you're stuck in that fire, it's removing impurities from you And it's bringing you closer to your purpose. And so when we go through these things that make us uncomfortable, we can consider it joy, not because it's fun, but because it's completing us. Not comfort, but being complete. Here's the truth I want us to focus on today. This is is the whole point. This is my message in a sentence. You can tune me out after this, but please don't. That would hurt my feelings. Here's what I want you to hear. True comfort means embracing God. True comfort means embracing God. To live in comfort, we have to embrace divine discomfort. We're going to be in the book of Matthew mainly today, Matthew 14. And for those of you that haven't been in church and you don't know the story, there's a story there where Jesus is displaying his authority over nature. And so he's teaching one day, and the crowd gets really, really big, gets really, really crowded. They all get hungry. The disciples, the followers of Jesus at the time, they decide that Jesus, maybe you should send these people away. McDonald's is still open. They got the two for five thing going on. Maybe you should send these people away. Let them go to McDonald's on their way home. Get something to eat. Get some rest. Jesus is like, no, I got a better plan. He tells the disciples to rally any food they can find. They find a boy who has a lunch box that has some bread and some fish in it. And the Bible says that Jesus feeds 5,000 men Biblical scholars would say it could be up to 15,000 people when you consider men, women, and children. But he feeds them on these five loaves of bread and these two fish. The Bible also says that they have so much left over that they carry doggy bags home. I mean, this is, this is a miracle. This is Jesus multiplying what he is given. And so after that, the disciples are with Jesus And that's kind of where we're going to pick up the story, but I think it's interesting to note that don't you think, if you're following Jesus, this is Matthew 14, so they've been following a little while, don't you think it would have been a really comfortable spot for the disciples to have hung out with Jesus for a while? Like, I'm thinking, everything is going good around us, Jesus. Why don't we just hang out here? We'll build a bonfire. We'll cook some of this fish we have left. We'll just hang out here. They were probably really popular. Everything was going well. They were hanging out with Jesus. Jesus was blessing them. This was a height of popularity for them. Everybody had to have believed what was going on. This would have been a good time. If I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, hang on, Jesus. Can we just, can we just hang out here for a minute? Because this is This is comfortable. As a matter of fact, that's that's the way we often think, isn't it? Things are going good. This is comfortable. I must be right where God wants me to be. But we see that Jesus does something that seems strange on the surface. Matthew 14, starting in verse 22, says immediately, Jesus made. It's an important word. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed Jesus the crowd. That word made means that he displayed some authority to them, didn't he? You can't make anybody do anything unless you have authority over them. So Jesus made them do something even though they didn't want to do. Here's what happens when we get in comfortable places. We have to remember that Jesus placing us in places we don't like or uncomfortable spots doesn't mean he's powerless. Some of you this morning, you're in an uncomfortable place, aren't you? Like things, things with your family, maybe you're just in an uncomfortable relationship right now, maybe it's just your surroundings and home, it just feels uncomfortable, and it can be tempting when we're in that uncomfortable place because of the way we think about comfort. It can be tempting for us to think that because we're not comfortable that Jesus isn't powerful, or because we're not comfortable, Jesus isn't active. I want you to know today that Jesus is active even when you're uncomfortable. He's not powerless in this situation because he forces the disciples out of his presence. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? You you feel like you're out of God's presence. Let's be honest. Because things were going good. You did something that you thought was right. Things aren't going good anymore. It feels like you're out of the presence of God. But Jesus makes his disciples get in the boat and head to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. It would have been comfortable, but Jesus says, nope, you got to go. They had to, they had to move. What, what thing is God asking you to do that you've been dismissing because you thought it would make you uncomfortable? Is it an apology? Is it a conversation? Is it, maybe it's dads, husbands, maybe it's praying with your spouse and it feels so weird every time you try to do it, but God's been calling you to do it. What is God calling you to do that you've been feeling it, but you've been feeling like it would be uncomfortable? Because that's what Jesus is telling these disciples. He's saying, I have, number one, I have the power over you to send you to the other side of the lake. Number two, I'm gonna call people to do some uncomfortable things sometimes. I'm gonna call people to do some things that don't necessarily make sense. What is God calling you to do that, that is gonna make you un, uncomfortable? And I think for a lot of us, we often, especially those of us that are followers of Jesus, I think a lot of times we don't do things that God asks because, uh, that are uncomfortable because we feel like he's not gonna ask us to do anything if it makes us uncomfortable. Don't we? And so we even hear that, you even hear that in Christian circles that, well, you know, I, maybe God is asking you to blame. No, I'm just not comfortable with that, right? And so God, it must not be God because I'm not comfortable. And I think one of the things we misinterpret is we misinterpret what's comfort and what's peace. The voice of God provides peace, but it does not provide comfort. Oftentimes it means you go ahead the other side of the lake, even though I'm, you're with Jesus right now, oftentimes it means you go do something uncomfortable. i got to be honest, personal story when God called me and my family to, to, to move from where we were to here, it was very uncomfortable. We left everything we knew. We left friends. We left a church we loved. But you know why we did it? Because we heard the voice of God, and it brought peace, not comfort. There's a difference and if you've ever heard God speak, you know the difference. There's, there's, there's still jitters, there's still things I don't know, but somehow at the end of the day, I, I, know it's, I know it's okay. Sometimes God calls us to do things that aren't uncomfortable. Don't relate the fact that you're not comfortable with it with the fact that God didn't tell you to do it. Oftentimes, obedience is uncomfortable because God tells us things to grow our faith, not grow our comfort. But we don't do it alone. Look at the very next verse, verse 23. I really, I really love this part of the story, and I've never quite understood it like this until, until I started, started studying for this. This is what it says in verse 23. It says, after he had dismissed them, talking about the crowd, Jesus dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside, mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, which I read is anywhere from three to six a.m., he was there alone now what do you think Jesus was praying for I've never really thought about it Jesus prays right it's what he does he's, he's spiritual like that he prays I don't know what he's praying for as, as I begin to to dive into this passage more and more I, I I read that maybe just perhaps probably Jesus while he sent his disciples across the lake and they're about to run into some trouble here Maybe, probably, Jesus went on a mountaintop not to just pray his normal prayer, but to pray for them. And here's why that's good news, because there's great comfort in this if you, if you just skim over it. Jesus sent the disciples out of their comfort zone, but he was watching over them. In other words, we may have conflict, but Jesus still cares. In other words you may be in a tough spot today. You may you may have came in here and and it felt like 2020 you thought it was going to be better but it's all of a sudden it gotten it's gotten worse. Something happened at the end of last week and it it caused conflict, it caused some 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 financial issues, it caused some health issues. Maybe you got a report, maybe your family, maybe your your mom, your dad got a report, maybe your children have have Blown off the deep end since 2020 started, I want you to hear today that you may walk through conflict and discomfort, and God may be growing something in you, but He always cares. He's always there. And there's great significance in that. Because it feels like you're alone. It feels like nobody's watching. But if you, can just get, if you can just get this picture in your head of, of Jesus sending his disciples, almost, almost like, like, like a father asking his children to do something that they really don't want to do, but he knows it's best for them. And so he sends them across the lake, and then he goes on a high place to pray for them. What would you be willing to do? What would you be willing to go through if you knew Jesus was in the next room praying for you? Many of you know this, but my wife and I, we have a, have a preemie child. He's five years old. We have a preemie child, and he's always, he's, he's overall really, really healthy. But he's always gotten sick a lot. He has a lot of allergies. He has some respiratory issues sometimes. He's always gotten, he's always gotten sick a lot. And from, from the moment that he could speak, one of the things he always wants when he's sick is he wants me or Melissa to sleep in his room. Now, now, if you no right, that that should be the answer, right? But 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 there's there's these times where he feels he looks pitiful enough, and he feels bad enough where one of us will sleep on the floor in his room. Oftentimes, because I'm a good husband and a good father, I volunteer to do it. I volunteer very loudly, and I remind her later that I did it. But I volunteer to do it. But there's, there's, some, there's something amazing because we can send him to bed if he's sick and he is whining, he is groaning, but then he'll come and he'll say, can somebody come sleep in the floor with me? And there's something amazing when I come and sleep in the floor with him. It changes everything. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it changes everything because his dad is in the room. I want, you to know, I want you to know this morning, some of you, this is the only reason God sent you here so that you could hear this. If you're groaning and you're going through trouble and you're going through pain and you're going through discomfort, I want you to know that Jesus sees you and he is there in the midst of it. Let it dispel the fear. He is there with you in that pain. Jesus goes on this mountaintop and he begins to, he begins to pray, his disciples. Let's keep reading. Verse 24. says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wave wind was against it. So let's just catch up. Jesus has fed 5,000 men. 15, maybe 1,000 people. His disciples have chosen, left everything they had to follow him and at what seems like would be the pinnacle moment for them to finally get some credit for hanging out with Jesus, Jesus sends them away. Without him, they're in the middle of a lake, a lake which, by the way, is known for sudden storms, sudden violent storms. They're in the middle of this lake, a long way from shore, and then the wind picks up. Isn't that the way it feels sometimes? Sometimes. Isn't that that how it feels sometimes? Like it's literally one thing after the other? If our goal is comfort in life, I think it'll always feel like that because life never completely settles down. But I think it's interesting to note that the storm comes not because they disobeyed Jesus, but because they were doing what Jesus asked them to do. Because... I would think that if Jesus tells them to go to the other side of the shore, everything would be hunky-dory going, wouldn't it? And the only reason something bad would happen is if they did what Jesus Told them not to do. But in this situation, they are doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They're all alone in this boat, a considerable distance from shore, and now the wind and the waves come. It's happening because they're obeying Jesus, not because they're disobeying him. There's some people in here, and you have believed the lie that if things happen in your life that are uncomfortable, it's because you must not be doing what God wants. That is a lie. That is a lie. In fact, some of the most Faithful things you will ever do will cause the most, the most, the most um, uh, disharmony and the most angst in your life. Because God isn't after our comfort. He's after our faith. He's not after us being okay with everything. He's after us being in relationship and walking with him. Don't believe the lie. Some of you have been told that, actually. Some things didn't go right. Maybe somebody got sick. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe something happened. And somebody, some moron told you. It's because you're not obeying God. Oftentimes, obedience to God puts us in the middle of the storm as well. That's why it's important to remember that when God speaks, it provides peace, but it doesn't always provide comfort. The disciples find themselves in this place where everything is against them. You ever find yourself there? You haven't been sleeping well? which, by the way, I did not sleep well at all last night, partly because of the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots, but I did not sleep well at all last night. But you found yourself, you're not sleeping well. You have a child that's sick. You have a spouse that's sick. The dishwasher's making this odd noise that it's never made before. It's always made some odd noises, but now it's making a new odd noise. Your child spilled glue because they were making slime. Then, like, the car is making this rattling noise as well. And then the TV just kind of shuts off out of nowhere once it kind of gets warm. Y'all know what I'm talking about? These, place, these things where it feels like everything, everything is going wrong. You realize your car is overdue for an oil change. Maybe that's because, Maybe that's why the rattle's happening, but you don't have the money to pay for it. And now you just spilled something on your shirt when you're late for work. Hello? Y'all ever been there? Sometimes it feels like everything is against us. But those are the important times in life when we have to press in. And we have to fight the temptation to give up. Thank you. Chasing comfort in our own strength is trying to satisfy a godly desire without godly ways. That's life. Like you're in the middle of the water. A long distance from shore. And now the wind starts up. True comfort. Doesn't mean there's no wind, it means you embrace God. Look at where Jesus is for his disciples. Verse 25, says shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. What if the thing that is going to bring the most joy into your life is the thing that scares you the most at first. I'll let you think about that one. I got nothing else to say about that. What if that thing, as it plays out, is building something in you it it's causing some things to happen around you that as it plays out, I know it's scary now. I know these disciples, they don't recognize who Jesus is. They don't recognize what he's doing, and so they cry out. It's a ghost. I don't recognize it. I don't want this. I don't see what's happening. I can't see through the haze. But what if that thing is ultimately Jesus walking towards you, building something in your life, building faith into your life that's going to pay off later. What if he's organizing some things around you and it's scary right now? And you don't recognize it right now. But what if he's doing something bigger through the pain? So the disciples see Jesus walking on the water. They say it's a ghost. It says they're terrified. And they cried out in fear. I can't help but believe that that's some of you story today. Is you're, you're fearful. You're fearful because the odds are stacked against you. You're fearful because if we were honest, I can say all I want that God is doing something bigger than you can see, but you're scared because you're afraid how he's going to do it. Some of you are are crying out in fear today because you thought the year was going to start off different. You thought things were going to change this year, but they haven't. Some of you are crying out in fear today because you heard back from the doctor last week. Some of you are crying out in fear today because your aging parents just had a fall. Some of you are crying out in fear today because the person that you've loved all of your life told you something this week that scared you to death. Some of you are crying out in fear today because life seems to be getting the best of you, and it's un comfortable. Here's what I want you to hear, because Jesus is about to respond to these disciples. God never turns a deaf ear to those who cry out in fear. That would make a good nursery rhyme. God never turns a deaf ear. He's never going to ignore you. I know it feels like it. Keep crying. I know it feels like he's abandoned you. Keep crying out in fear, because Jesus is about to do something right here. Y'all watch. Verse 27 says, but Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. In other words, Daddy has come to sleep on the floor. Don't be afraid. Peter, the blabbermouth who I most identify with, replied, Jesus, tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Peter, in the midst of the wind and the waves, in the midst of being out of his comfort zone, cried out to the Lord, and then he came toward Jesus. That was what Jesus was after the entire time. That was why he caused the discomfort. Because he, he knew that later Peter is going to have to face some things. Peter is going to have to Face some people trying to kill him. Peter's going to have to deliver a sermon in Acts where thousands of people get saved. Peter's going to have to go through some things and the only way to do that is for him to build his relationship with Peter right then. He came toward Jesus. And then Peter begins to sink because Peter began to think about the very thing that he was walking on. Why do you fear? Why do you fear the very thing that Jesus has given you the power to walk over? Why do you fear when Jesus is standing right there walking on that thing for you and he's made some promises to you? Why do we fear? Water's not supposed to hold up people. And as long as Peter came toward Jesus and focused on Jesus, he was okay. But the second that he began to fear that very thing that he was walking on top of, some of you are experiencing some victories, but you're afraid they're not going to last Some of you are experiencing some good stuff, but you're afraid it's not going to last. Some of you are almost afraid to speak positive because you're afraid you're going to jinx it or something. Don't do that. Don't fear the very thing that God has given you the power to walk over. Be excited about it. Thank God for it and trust him and continue to walk toward Jesus. Peter is fearing the very thing that God has just given him the power to walk on top of. I don't care what you're going through. If you have a relationship with Jesus, he has, caught, he has guaranteed that you have the power to walk on top of it. Look at where Jesus is, because he's there in our discomfort too. Verse 31, says, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? That word doubt literally means to be divided in two. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Do you st- Do you you think it's really cool, because I do, and maybe it's just because I'm a Bible nerd and a geek, but do you think it's really cool that Jesus reached out and grabbed him before he asked him, why do you doubt? Because we don't don't see it like that, do we? Some of you in the room this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and the reason is is because you think you have to answer the questions and get everything right before Jesus is going to reach down and rescue you. But Jesus didn't come over to Peter and say, Peter! I know you're you're making bubbling noises. I know you look like Jack on that piece of wood right now and you're barely trying to hang on, but I gotta ask you, why did you doubt? No, he reached out, he grabbed Peter by the hand, he pulled him up, and then he said, dude, I was right there. And it's almost like he asked, why did you doubt out of sympathy, not out of judgment? I want you to know this morning that no matter what you've done, no matter how you've come into this place this morning, and you may have stories that would make our toes curl of things you did just last night. I want you to know that God is always willing to grasp your hand before he calls you out. He's always willing. You've never strayed too far. There's stories, as I look around the room this morning, there's stories, and if, God was, if Jesus was ever going to let anybody sink for a minute, it was you. Right? I mean, if Jesus was ever going to let anybody for a little bit, it was you. But did he do that? No. He reached down, he grabbed you, he pulled you up in the boat, he rescued you, and then he began to work on you. It's never too late. Embracing comfort means embracing God. Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. So the storm didn't prove Jesus had no power. It revealed that he did. Isn't that cool? The storm revealed his power. It didn't prove the absence of it. Because a lot of times we think that the storm means God's checked out. That the storm means Jesus isn't with us in it. That the storm means we're out of the will of God. But it doesn't Always, it doesn't disprove his power. Matter of fact, the storm helps show his power. Let's conclude the story so I don't leave you hanging because some of you are not going to go home and read the rest of it. Verse 34. Listen, it's totally okay. I know, y'all. I'll finish it for you, okay? Well, I'll have a read-along. Verse 34. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. I said that fast because I think that's how you pronounce it. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all of the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. So because the disciples were forced to move out of their comfort zone. Thousands, maybe, people got to experience the power of Jesus. I wonder what your story's going to be. Because Peter had some stories to tell, didn't he? I mean, after this, don't you think Peter was going around telling everybody, yeah, I walked in water. And then the other disciples are like, yeah, but you sank. But he said, but did you walk? I was the only one willing. Can you imagine the stories that Peter got to tell after this? Because Peter was a loud mouth. I'm sure he didn't keep this to himself. He probably had T-shirts printed, water walker, Right? (laughs) Can you imagine the story that he got to tell and then it gets recorded in scripture and we give Peter a bad rep because he sank but he also walked. Sometimes you're going to sink but you're also going to walk. Can you imagine the stories he gets to tell? I wonder what your story will be. Because of the storm. Because of the discomfort. I wonder what your story will be. This doesn't create any stories. I better do the left arm because then this one's going to get really big. This (laughs) doesn't create any great stories about the goodness of God. It doesn't build anything inside of us. What are you going to do with this? Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. Some of you are in this room this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never never surrendered, partly because, I would bet, it hadn't been comfortable for you. Some of you this morning, you feel the the tension inside of you, you're like, I want hope on that storm because I walked through so many storms and I can't do it by myself anymore. If you're in here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just in, in your seat there and there's nothing magical about this moment except for the Spirit is speaking to you. Just say, God, I give up. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this by myself. I can't be good enough. I can't be comfortable enough. So right now I surrender to you. I don't know how it all worked. I don't even know if I believe everything he just said, but I believe you're Jesus. And I believe you died so that I could live. I ask you to come into my life, I give my life over to you. I don't even know what that means right now, but I'm going to figure it out. Jesus, will you come and, and change me and save me? My life is no longer my own. In Jesus' name. For the rest of us this morning, I know you're in some storms. I know it's uncomfortable. So for the next few moments. I want us to sit, and I want us to listen to God. God, we want your comfort. So many of us are just grasping for peace, but we realize we can't get it. We're grasping for calm, but we realize that you've got more. God, would you be real to us in this moment, and show us the true source peace, and comfort. I'm
1: caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this hope. Never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for see Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do I just I want to
0: give us a moment and you can stay seated. You can stand up. You can even come down here and and pray. For some of you, this is going to be really weird and that's okay. You can stay seated. You can just hang out. But for others of us in this room, I I get the feeling that you're looking for some peace in the midst of the storm. You're looking for comfort and the things that you've been trying to get it from haven't paid off. So in this moment, I want us to either sit and bow our head or you can stand and sing if you know the song or you can come up here and pray but I just want us to ask God some questions because I believe God speaks to us I believe he speaks very personally and oftentimes it's just a matter of us calming down and settling down enough and being quiet enough to hear him so here's some questions that I just want you to ask God for the next few moments as as Dylan sings this song as you worship as you come down front as you pray I just want us to try to hear the still small voice of, of God I want you to ask him, God, where do you have me? Like, really? Seems overwhelming, but where do you have me? I want you to ask, God, how are you present and active even when I don't see it? And God, how do I embrace you to find true comfort and peace? Peace. God desires to speak to you in the midst of the storm, in the midst of this discomfort. God, where am I? God, what are you doing? And God, can I feel your peace? And I believe God's going to speak to us in this moment, however you need to do that. God, speak to us now. Thank you that you're the God of all comfort. Thank you that you love these people in front of me dearly. God, help for us to hear you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Say another song, take me back to where we start. I open up my heart to you. Oh, I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot enough. Take me back to where we started I
2: open up
1: my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence I just wanna sit here at your feet caught up in this holy moment I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, nothing else, oh, nothing else. Nothing else will do, I just want you. Oh, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do, I just want you. Oh, nothing else, nothing else. Nothing else will do, I just want you. Oh, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do, I just want you. Oh, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. just
2: we thank you for the power that you have to bring healing to brokenness, God to bring light where there is darkness, to bring hope where there is none.